Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animationforadults.com. I am Chris, and I am joined today by Dan. Hello, Dan. Hi, Chris. How is it going? It's going uh, super duper. Thank you. Awesome. And it actually have... is. It's good. Oh, that's, that's... that's something really, like, sarcastic and <laughs> dry. No, it's I'm, great. I'm, I'm taking it on face value. I'm just assuming, yes, you're doing great, and that's good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also joining us after a little while off, but returning triumphantly, triumphant <laughs> return. Here's Nina. Hi, Nina. Hi, Chris. How's Yay. it going? It's going great. Everything's fantastic. I'm glad to be back. Awesome. Today we are going to be talking about Masaki Yuasa's film, The Night is Short, Walk on Girl, which is a great title for a film. <laughs> and um, that film screened. Uh, in august was it no when was it yeah it was in the u.s it was the 21st and the 22nd of august yeah screened as g kids and fathom event one of those brilliant event screenings they've been having of all these great films throughout the year and it screened in the uk i think last year end of about october-ish or something and is now available on blu-ray and DVD in the UK from Anime Limited. Um, we will be talking about that film in our main section, but before that, we're going to be talking about some animation news. Because quite a lot's been going on at the moment. Yeah. Including lots of exciting upcoming projects from some very, very cool people in the animation sphere who, who you may well be aware of. The first of whom is Alex Hirsch, creator of a little show you might have heard of called Gravity Falls <laughs> is going to be making possibly series and movies with Netflix. Because he signed an exclusive deal with Netflix to produce uh, movies and, and series aimed at an adult audience, which is interesting for a number of reasons. Because um, obviously um, Gravity Falls was a general audience slash kids show um although it had a big adult following and um that finished back in was it a couple of years ago was it 20 or was it 2016 i believe and then since then uh he he did have a deal at fox to create something but we never heard anything out of that so i guess it fell apart and he has now signed a deal with netflix and it sounds very exciting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was really surprised when I heard about this, like the idea of like a creator basically signing his soul to one place to make stuff for, we don't even know how long no. the contract is or how many projects. We just know many. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, it makes sense because broadcast TV is kind of dying. Mm-hmm. And it makes sense to sign up to something like this. I also know that like Alex has complained about like standards and practices a lot. So something like Netflix is probably really exciting for him. Where Netflix apparently have none. <laughs> they just go, Hey, no, knock yourself out. Yeah. You can swear, you could do whatever you want. Um, and I am curious to see what his sense of humor is like uninhibited by that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, these, we've had quite a few big names already sign up with Netflix animation wise. We've obviously recently had uh, the release of Matt Groening's series, Disenchantment. 
and Glenn Keane is uh, producing something with studio is well his it's his directorial debut is it not I think uh, for Netflix for Pearl Studio and Henry Selick's new film is going to go to Netflix as well so it's all happening <laughs> yeah They're pouring a lot of money into this <laughs> yeah oh and they just had like a big movie that they bought from China like this weekend oh um next you, next gen next gen which apparently um was rated 12 in the uk because there's apparently unexpectedly strong language and stuff in it and bleeped out <laughs> which is really weird that's really funny <laughs> it's it seems to be like rated fairly low in most countries and then uk 12 which is interesting um because i just assumed it was you know gonna be straight up kids movie but um yeah this is UK tends to censor a lot of weird things i've noticed yeah we're, there's things we're we're stricter on and there are things we're more lenient on uh, i'd say america is definitely like more lenient on violence and stuff for sure and much more um uh you know harsher on anything to do with sexual nudity or or swearing and the uk right. is is maybe a little bit more European in that sense, slightly. <laughs> uh, I I just remember like used used to be like whenever um, Hollywood stars came over and did like an Amer- British chat, oh, yeah. they'd be like amazed, like, "Well, I, I what can I say? I can say that. <laughs> That's okay. Like, yeah, yeah, just swear your head off. It's fine. <laughs> like, All right. <laughs> um, but I think America's loosened up a bit since then. Of, yeah, we get away with a yeah. lot of innuendos on kids' cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do but... find it kind of obscene sometimes. Sorry, I want like American shows where they can like be absolutely filthy yeah. with suggesting things. Yeah, if someone says shit, it's like <laughs> it's like the worst thing that could have happened. Like some of the innuendos on shows like Crazy Ex-Girlfriend are just. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, you know, it breeds more creativity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And actually, that's something that I do think that, like, Alex Hirsch, probably someone like Alex Hirsch, uh, understands. And just because Netflix is effectively a non rated zone, I don't think they're going to be, you know, like, f-bombs in kids shows or anything like that no and i also expect him to include more like lgbt characters and things because that was something that he wasn't allowed to do for disney and that frustrated him there was recently an article that came out about oh yeah yeah i read that yeah i didn't know about that really yeah for the love god episode there he just wanted to do like a scene in the background where it was like two little old ladies fell in love and Disney mm-hmm. said no, and like they kind of had this fight about it, and they were basically like, "If we're just gonna cancel the episode, you just have to change it." Um, so, mm-hmm. but yeah, but like you know, things are changing a lot now, and now that he doesn't have standards and practices, he can do stuff like that more because it sounded like he really right. wanted to do more of that kind of stuff in his work. Another thing that probably Netflix allows is one of the cool things about um, Gravity Falls was the fact that he just told the story he wanted to tell mm-hmm. and just did the two seasons, which I've I've always like, really admired 
that he's just like, no, I could carry this on for years and years and years and and just take the money or whatever. But I've I've told a story I want to tell. This is what I'm doing, and I think with Netflix, they there's probably the freedom to do that kind of thing as well. For sure, for sure. As long, yeah. As long as it doesn't, you know, completely flop completely, and they. <laughs> it almost never seems to happen with Netflix because <laughs> no one knows how well anything does. <laughs> so, exactly. it's, it's kind of genius as as far as like yeah, as far as their marketing goes. Like yeah, no one knows how much money they're losing yeah, on anything. It and it's like I think people have been saying like a lot of their original films have been getting really bad views and. It's like a case of they. It just maybe it doesn't even matter to them. It's just like whatever. Yeah, yeah. It causes a lot of news, you mm-hmm. know. Like even if they have a really bad movie, like people talk about it and they'll like hate watch it. So th- th- that doesn't matter to them so long mm-hmm. as they're getting the. Book. That that's gotta account for like half of the views of the latest Cloverfield movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> Oh god, they're making another uh, Death Note movie. Oh yeah, I can't believe they're doing another one. Having seen the first one, well, with, a lot of with... people watched it because it was bad, and like people talked about what? it, so they're like, "Well, really? we want more buzz," you know. Well, it was bad, and I turned it off after twenty minutes. I could. It was like I was entering another dimension. It was such a surreal, horrible. Experience. Yeah. So, are they going to have like, uh, was it Mellow and Nia? Who even are they going to be in it? I have no clue. <laughs> I've kind of blocked out the experience of watching that. I can't even remember. It, it ended that? like it had a conclusion, though. Like, so they might do like a different character, like because Light already got found out and Misa um, died at the end, and like, okay, not Misa, whatever her name was in English. Yeah, Melissa or whatever. Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Is this? Oh, yeah, yeah. It just always makes me think of that Harry Potteridge, Akira sketch. Yeah. <laughs> American Akira, yeah. Yeah. So good. Um, yeah. So that's good news about Alex Hirsch, and it's not the only big figure in animation who has signed with a streaming platform because Justin Roiland, co-creator of Rick and Morty has signed up to produce a series for Hulu called Solar Opposites, which is about a family of aliens who have to take uh, refuge on planet Earth. And apparently one of the parts of the um, the setup is they are from a better planet (laughs) than Earth, (laughs) but they they have to downgrade and come to Earth. Um, And it is co-created by Royland with Mike McMahon, who is a a fellow Rick and Morty writer. And it, it was at development at Fox at some point. Yeah, I remember hearing about this. Like, did we not talk about this like a couple of years yeah, ago? I remember, yeah, I guess Fox, they were going to do more animation. And then I guess they dropped it because it looks like both Royland and Hirsch jumped ship from Fox. Mm. Well, I what's went, going on? But then Fox... Um, owns like how much Hulu and uh, so I don't know (laughs) maybe Hmm. it's it's kind of just moving from one part of the 
the company to another rather than <laughs> complete. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point because there's no actual. This news excited me, excited me a little bit less than the Netflix deal because Hulu doesn't exist in the UK. No, and, yeah. but, and all their shows get sort of have on. They have very uncertain fates. Yeah, that's true. Hulu originals haven't been. I haven't heard anybody talk about a Hulu original in a long time. The only one that seems to have hit was um, Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I guess things might change. Like with the, I don't know what will happen with the Fox deal because uh, Disney Fox, because when Disney will basically have a controlling stake in Hulu, and then in the UK, I guess they'll own Sky. Because oh yeah, of course cause, yeah, because Fox because Fox is taking over all of Sky, and then hmm. Fox is being sold to Disney. So I guess Disney will then have a gi- giant broadcaster in Europe, <laughs> and I don't know what they'll do because they've already got their own streaming platform and everything. Who knows? Nah. <laughs> it's all confusing. But will we get to watch this show? I don't know. But it's set to debut in twenty twenty. So we actually have a date for this, unlike any of the Alex Hirsch stuff when we just like, I don't know, sometime in the future. This is, this, this, um, this, uh, premise is quite similar to, um, a pilot that he made before Rick and Morty called Dog. Dog Planet or something. Dog World. Ah. Dog World? Yeah, it's called Dog World. And you can watch it on YouTube actually. You can watch the pilot that they, um, they didn't animate, but they did like a animatic. Mm. And I watch it every now and again because it's really funny. <laughs> and it kind of shows you how he does the whole fish out of water thing. It's, I mean, I guess it's kind of similar to the sort of Doctor Who setup of Rick and Morty, right? Where he's a superior being who yeah. right. also has a suburban, you know, life in I the imagine, meantime. I imagine he's going to voice this Terry character going purely by character design. <laughs> Yeah, he is definitely doing voices. He's doing two voices, I think, of the. <laughs> I like the pupa. They're really interesting. Oh, his yeah. T-shirt says all about that base. Does it? As in, <laughs> as in, yeah, B A S E. Oh, and Rick and Morty won an Emmy. Oh yes. This oh. past few days, so now they are an Emmy award-winning Rick and Morty. <laughs> Mm, the Pickle Rick was the submitted episode, of course. <laughs> okay. Yeah, but you can check out like the art from this series that was released a little while ago because it it has been in development for a while. So you can see, you can get a little taste of what it will look like when it shows up in 2020 with what has been ordered uh, two eight episode seasons so far. So we shall see how this turns out, but. Anyway, moving on to some other news. This time, theatrical news, or movie news. (laughs) Uh, A film we've talked about quite a lot is a French-Japanese co-production that was originally titled Mutafukas and is being released in English territories under the title of MFKZ or MFKZ or Mutafukas. 
I, I don't know. You can't say it. It's got no vowels in it. That's uh, how you ask for a ticket when you go to the box office. Quantum of <laughs> Yeah. Um, we already had knew that it was coming to the US by G Kids. It has now been announced that we'll be getting a UK release on mm. the same day from Manga UK. Yay. Um, which is I I'm I think uh they screened it at London Film Festival like last year, I think, so it was kind of known that they had the rights to it, I guess. Um so it's coming out on both in the US and the UK on October 11th. And it has now been announced that it has got a English language cast as well, which is a quite starry cast um, mm. with some names you might have heard of. Um, somebody called Michael Chiklis from The Shield and the old <laughs> rubbish Fantastic Four movies. Uh, well, I, oh, I, hang on. No, wait. Because the what, Oh, Chris has got an issue with himself. (laughs) Well, hang on a second. Well, uh, let me speak. Well, (laughs) Well, I'm realising I'm saying the old rubbish ones makes it sound like there's a more recent good one when there isn't. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, uh, yeah, I I would. The one that tracked. Yeah. Uh, uh, Giancarlo Esposito, who is obviously... Gus Spring from Breaking Bad. And, and Arca- was he Arcala in... No. Yes, he was, isn't he? But uh, I don't know. You're arguing Sorry. yourself. I don't know. I, I am arguing myself now, yeah. yeah. Sorry, he, he, was, he did Voice in the Jungle Book as well. He was very good. Oh, uh, right, yeah, the, um, that one. The, uh, ju- the, the, the recent good yeah. one. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> debatable. <laughs> um... The then the character of uh, El Tigre will be played by none other than Jorge Gutierrez. He directs. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm so happy. Uh, I've never heard him do any voice work, and it's funny because he had a sh- a show called El Tigre, like Manny Rivera, which is really funny that he's playing a character called El Tigre. <laughs> Who's who's Jorge Gutierrez? Uh, he was the director of the Book of Life. He also, oh. yeah, he had a couple. He had the Manny Rivera's um, El Tigre was a TV show. He had a Nickelodeon about like a lucha libre mm-hmm. Mexico City kind of. No, I just don't know him by name for some reason. Yeah, yeah, okay. no, he's 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 awesome. <laughs> yeah, he has <clears throat> apparently done at voice acting before. Oh, also appearing will be. There is a, is, it, is that how you say it, isn't it? Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. Uh, it will be appearing as character Shakespeare. Uh, That's awesome. Da- Dasha Polanco. I'm sorry, I don't know who that is. Uh, will be starring as Luna. Vince Staples will be playing Vince. And Danny Trejo will be playing a character called Bruce. That's so cool. Interestingly enough, though, the none of these people are the main character. <laughs> the main character is someone called Angelino, who is not mentioned in any, any of the casting announcements. So probably he's just a not Mute a big enough name. No, he isn't. Oh, oh, wow. I guess just isn't a, you know, <laughs> a celebrity voice. Hmm. Probably just, you know, is a voice actor. I looked it up. Uh, Dash, uh, Dasha Polanco, she was in uh, Orange is the New Black. Actress. Oh, and I did, I, 
may have implied that she was a man. <laughs> uh, yeah, I uh, know. I knew that. <laughs> oh, no, the character's called Luna. That's a bit of a giveaway. <laughs> it doesn't really sound like a man. Um, yeah, so, and there's a new English trailer, which looks cool. Um, there's lots of cussing in it, which seems appropriate, really. <laughs> uh, I did not know about this project. I'm very excited to see it. Uh, it's really we, different. <laughs> yeah, Dan said he heard about it like in five years ago or something. Yeah, <laughs> like I, I I heard about it when it was just going into production, and I was like, "Oh, that sounds amazing!" Like Studio 4C making another, or Four Degrees like making another another movie, like sort of in the style of Tekken King Creek, kind of. And yeah, I've I, I'm. I can't wait to see it. <laughs> I really want to see it eventually. I'm glad, I'm glad it exists. And it's really cool actually that, because sometimes when something takes like so long to find distribution, it's not always a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, it seems like they were waiting for the right moment, which is really cool. Like to have a cast like that is going to interest people who might not otherwise see it. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And all the like the promotional stuff, like the poster and everything, is very cool. So. Yeah. Yeah, like um, I went to buy a ticket, but they don't have the tickets yet. So I will I probably go see it, though, for sure. I went to do that this week for uh, Perfect Blue, because it was advertised on, I think, the FA website. And then you realized then... it was in America. Yeah, I was like, oh, Kingston, great. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm like 20 minutes from Kingston. And I was like, oh, hang on. it's The map doesn't look right. <laughs> it's America, yeah. Kingston. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, you're several months too late for the UK screenings, which we had yep. for the 20th <clears throat> anniversary, the actual 20th anniversary of the film, <laughs> not the... Even I guess it's the twentieth anniversary of the American release. <laughs> Makes sense, yeah. In the same way that they're saying, <clears throat> "Hey, twenty years of Harry Potter," and English people are like, "No, that was last year." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we get things a little later, I guess. <laughs> well, some things. <laughs> some things. Some things you guys are like still waiting on. <laughs> yeah. Another film that is coming out in cinemas in the US, and I'm not actually sure if it's had a UK release um, announced yet, is a film that's coming via Eleven Arts Anime Studio, produced by Creator Animation and directed by a silent voice director, Naoko Yamada. And it is a film called Liz and the Blue Bird. And it is apparently connected to the TV series Sound Euphonium, which was based on a series of novels or light novels. Um, and there is a trailer for it. And if you're familiar with Koto animation, you're probably unsurprised to find out that the animation is extremely pretty to look at. Uh, and it looks like it's going to be a really cute film. <laughs> it does. I, I'm, I wasn't sure about it because... I'm not a huge Kyo Annie fan. I mean, their animation is very pretty, but sometimes their stories are a little samey to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but this just seems so infectiously sweet. And I like how it's like a relationship between these two girls and like, I'm curious to see where it's going to go. Um, I kind of like the idea of like this frame narrative they have with like Liz and this blue haired girl. I thought that was kind of an interesting way of making a more simple slice of life story a little bit more fantastical. So yeah, the other the other bird. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I that's what I got really confused when I watched the trailer. I was like, hang on, it's a are they calling her a bird like the Brit slang bird? <laughs> <laughs> I really want to see this movie. Like I loved when um, her last movie came out. Malco Yamada's last movie, Silent Voice, came out. It was the same year that. Um, oh no! It was like a couple months after um, your name was released, mm-hmm. and I loved a Silent Voice. I think I like it more than your name. When everyone was freaking out about your name, I was just like, "But a Silent Voice, it's <laughs> so good." So I want to see this just based on that because yeah. I think. I think she's like, you know, the next you know, one to watch, basically, in terms of mm-hmm. anime movie directors. Yeah, it seems like she has like a real sense for emotions and like how people feel about each other. Because I haven't seen a silent voice, but everything I've read about it, it's like it's very intense. With oh yeah, it, it was kind of stunning. Yeah. yeah. You didn't like it so much, did you, Chris? You were a bit. Oh, no, I did like it. Oh, okay. Sorry, I thought you. I thought that was one that you were iffy on. No, that's one I actually really like. The uh, the review yeah. on animationadults.com is actually very negative, but I really liked it, and I yeah. did, I ended up writing a uh, counterpoint because I really liked it. <laughs> oh right! Oh yeah! No, I think I do remember that. <laughs> so is that Rachel also who didn't like it? No, 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 no. Uh, the another of our writers in the UK, oh, okay, uh, a guy called Mark, who um, took really took against it. In fact, uh, I can understand why why someone might actually because there is some thoroughly unlikable people yeah. in the film. Yeah, that's what I read. Where it's like it's a lot very there's you know the bullying is very mean. I heard mm-hmm. and like it's almost like yeah. unnecessarily cruel. That's why I like it though because it's not. Like it's she's a really good dramatist. Yeah. She understood like this actually has to be very upsetting to watch for anything to mean anything. Mm. And um, I think yeah, whatever she's going to do next is going to be cool. Uh, yeah, I, I really want to see this. I mean, I guess this is probably going to have an anime limited release as well, right, Chris? At some point, possibly. I don't know if it's been. I can't remember if it's been. Anyway, I, I have. I have a feeling that it's screened um, in Dublin, actually, possibly, when there was an anime festival earlier in the year, and I missed it. I was pissed. <laughs> pissed about that. Um, or it is screening at Scotland Loves Anime or something. It's either I've either missed it or it's upcoming. Um, but um, yeah, I I just love like everything about you know how she works and that she, I think she's a really interesting director and she she has a knack for um, character work really, which is actually sounds obvious, but 
I think sometimes when there are directors who come up through animation, they might have a bit more tendency to to focus more on spectacle and yeah. framing and, you know, like kind of miss out on the substance, actually. I think that was actually one of my, that was one of my qualms for a while with uh, Makoto Shinkai. I felt like yeah. he he had the the visuals down pat, but th- there was nothing there to it. Um, and your name, I think, only kind of just uh, sort of proves that he's working past that. I agree with you, Dan, because like when I, I remember watching like the girl who leapt through time, and just being kind of like blah about it. Like, I feel like it didn't have any kind of emotional punch to it. And I was like, kind of like, why am I watching this? Like, I expected Oh, it. that's not because of Shinkai. Oh, my apologies. That's right. No, that's fine. No, that's, that's, <laughs> I, that's fine. Um, but sorry, carry, carry on. Sorry. Um, okay, so Shinkai, what were, what were his... Shinkai other- did like um, five centimeters per second. Okay, and- that one. Okay. Um, I don't know why I keep confusing. He did like another fantasy one, which... Oh, uh, really looks uh, like knockoff Jupiter. Horizon at the end of. There's Garden of Words and there's Horizon. Oh, yeah, that's a short. I like that, actually. Mm. I really like Garden of Words. I think it's. That's more like a poem or something. It, he works. He works when he's allowed to. Yeah, play with things and be a bit looser, actually. Hmm. I, I, there hasn't, doesn't it look like there's been a release announced for the UK for that film as yet, but um, it has been, um, I just, I found it on a, a website, um, like a UK cinema listing thing. So oh yeah, I think I know the have, one you mean. It doesn't have any information. It just maybe suggests that, you know, it has got, distribution which i would assume would be <laughs> okay okay that's cool oh what? i'm looking at the tickets for it now and it's like 11 a.m movie screen oh, okay good they have a 7 p.m one i was like what? Mm-hmm. i'm not gonna go to the movies at 11 a.m uh, oh that's great if you can <laughs> it, 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 it bloody is i did that for big bad fox and other tales and it was like me and one other person who enjoyed the film as well. So it was just like a big living room. <laughs> was just... I'm just not a morning person. Oh no! Oh no! I needed a no. I needed a yeah, a bit of cocaine and a coffee. <laughs> Definitely. Dan is joking, listeners. Not about the coffee. <laughs> yeah, I'm joking. I would never drink coffee. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, uh, we did reference there. Scotland loves anime, which is coming up this year, as well every year. But it's coming up in in October, um, and they have so far released the lineup for Glasgow because uh, they have it in Glasgow and Edinburgh and a couple of other cities now as well in Scotland. Um, but they release them like gradually the schedules, and um, they've. Re- they have announced the screenings will include Mirai, which is the new Mamoru Hosoda film, a film called I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, uh, which is apparently... Oh, 
Yeah, I've heard drama. about that. Mm. I heard it wasn't the best. <laughs> uh, My Hero Academia, The Two Heroes, which is the movie spin-off of My Hero Academia, the first one. That was uh, fun. Penguin Highway, which uh, is awesome and I will talk about soon. Um, they're screening some episodes of the Netflix series, Be the Beginning, with uh, the director in attendance for a Q&A session. They're, released, they're screening the Fate Stay Night movie, Heaven's Feel movie one, Pre-Sage Flower, which I... I'm not. I mean, if ever there was a killer title, I mean, <laughs> I'm not too up on my Fate Stay Night franchise knowledge. To be honest, I've seen yeah. one of one of them. I reviewed one of the series, and it was quite good, uh, but it was a while back, <laughs> and there's been a lot of series since then. Uh, and they are also screening uh, a, an old '90s OAV called Cyber City, Oedo. Cool which was produced by Madhouse and directed by um, Yoshiaki Kawajiri. Why Uh, does that name ring a bell? He is the director. uh, He's Madhouse director. He directed Ninja Scroll. That's okay. Yeah. Oh, wow. He directed the lots of of 90s OAVs. And Cyber City Oedo was a very cool (laughs) uh, 90s anime about um, a bunch. It's like in the in the future and criminals who have got like hundred year sentences get taken by the government and given battle royale style mag uh, oh brilliant okay and said hey well you can fight crime and we'll take some years off your hundred year sentence and also if you don't we'll blow your head off (laughs) and um it was based on there were like three different characters and it was very cool, <laughs> or as much as I remember. Anyway, and so it's really weird that they're sharing that, but it's very cool. <laughs> that is cool. Um, did you say that they're showing uh, Little Witch Academia? No. Okay. What is what was it you said that they were? My Hero Academia. My Hero Academia. Oh, the movie. Oh, okay. The movie. There's Too a movie. Much Academia. Okay. It's yes. Academia. Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that is running October 12th to the 14th uh, in Glasgow. Sounds good. And they will be releasing the Edinburgh lineup soon. That's awesome. I, I really like... Uh, I'm probably going to be at the Glasgow Film Team. Yes. And they're really good. Like, I mean, like you can see from the lineup they've got, they, they put on a good show. I recommend going if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a great... Though it's quite far away from me, yeah. Chris, and yeah. Nina. Yeah, <laughs> it always it always looks very tempting. Scotland loves anime, but yeah, it's a long way away for me. <laughs> it is. If, I mean, if you can like get tickets for everything and make it make it worth your while, I recommend doing it. Mm-hmm. But it's not the only festival that has been announced. Um, there's also been announced London Film Festival, um, and this year there's not a ton of animation stuff, but there are. There are um, a couple of ones worth mentioning, uh, one of which is the previously mentioned Mirai from Mamoru Hosoda, which will be screening its UK premiere at the event, ahead of Scotland Loves Anime screening, um, and it will be screening as a family gala, which is quite a big deal. Um, 
they will be screening the new Michael Oslo, Michel, Michel. That's how you say the French. Michael, isn't it? Look, not Michael. Mickey. Yeah, Mickey. Mickey. Yeah, believe so. Just Mickey. <laughs> yeah, Mickey. Mickey Ocelot. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey, uh, his new film, uh, Dilly in Paris, or Dillily in Paris. There's lots of L's in it and lots of I's. I'm not quite sure how you say it. Um, Gordon and Paddy, which is a Swedish 2D animated feature that looks kind of cute. Yeah, it does. About a a uh, a mouse who has, teams up with a detective toad who's near retirement. <laughs> Oh. And it's described as Nordic Noir meets family animation. That and sounds they're, delightful. And they're also screening a a film that is produced by a Paris studio, Folivari, who is founded by Didier Bruno, who was one of the uh, producers on Ernest and Celestine and The Secret of Kells. And their new film is called Pachamama. I think that's how you say it. It is uh, set in South America among in the time of the Incas. And it looks very cool. And those are the four animated film screening at this year's London Film Festival. They'll also be screening a series of shorts, including Bilby, which is the debut short, or one of the debut shorts from DreamWorks Animation's new shorts initiative. And it's I don't about, know how to feel about that. What? Bilby? Yeah. You don't know how to feel about DreamWorks having an animation a short. Program. No, 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 no. The fact that it's um, the only reason that it kind of I think went ahead is because it's using unused assets from the now cancelled oh, Tim Minchin. Oh movie. no! Oh, that made me sad. Because that was originally, I think that was originally called Bilby as well. Oh no! And oh. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listened to I listened to an interview with him recently, yeah. And he seems over it now. I mean, he's like he's a, he just announced a new UK tour, so he must be doing a bit better. But he <laughs> sounded pretty devastated by it. Like, yeah, well, he'd be living in like mm-hmm. he moved his whole family in to the LA. Yeah, yeah, like for four years, I think he said, and then they sort of went nah. But yeah, it's okay because he's playing. He's he's starring in that new Robin Hood movie with uh, with Jamie Fox and Taron Egerton. Oh, is he? Oh, is he really? <laughs> yeah. Why did he get caught up with that? What? What's he doing? <laughs> he's in it. It's mental. <laughs> is he Friar Tuck? Who is he? I think so. Yeah. It's, okay. it's crazy. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. <laughs> that film looks really weird. Yeah, anyway, and oh, there is one other animation festival that is coming up in October. A little, little shindig <laughs> called the um, Animation Nights New York Best of Fest. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Like, we're going to have more screenings this year. We're going to be reshowing our con program. We're going to have lots of panels, lots of industry roundtables. Um, it's going to be at 180 Maiden Lane in New York City, and it's going to be on the, I believe, let me double check. Yeah, I believe it's the 5th and the 6th, I want to say, the Friday and that Friday and Saturday, first week of October. Um, and it's free. 6th uh, and 7th. Wow. 
The sixth and seventh. My apologies. Yes, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so the sixth and seventh, and it is free uh, mm-hmm. for general admission, and that pretty much we're gonna have a huge VR selection. Like last year, it was amazing. It was like an entire like conference room just full of VR, and we're gonna have a lot of. Um, we're gonna have. Um, let's see. John Dilworth's gonna be there. He's gonna be showing his new short film Goose in High Heels. Uh, we're going to have Bill Plimpton. We're going to have just like a lot of really cool people and it's going to be great. <laughs> you should come if you live in the area. It's also going to be taking place around like New York Comic-Con time. So oh. hopefully if you're in the area for Comic-Con, pop by if you want a little mm-hmm. something different from all the Ooh. crazy crowds. Yeah, obviously we we think this is really cool. We may be a bit biased. Uh, but uh, check it out if you can. Um, oh, Dan, by the way, um, one of the jury on the uh, like the grand prize winners is Joanna Quinn. Oh, wow. Screet. Yeah. Screet. I meant to say Screet. Yeah, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I, That's awesome. Yeah. Totally believe you. Um, yeah. So check that out on October the 6th to the 7th, 2018. At 180 Maid Lane in New York City's Seaport District. Yep. And you'll find all the details in the show notes. But I think that's about time for us to move into our main section and to discuss today's film, which is Masaki Iwasa's 2017 film, the night short walk on girl, or should I say one of Masaki Uwasi's 2017 film, because he released two films <laughs> in the same year. Yeah. That's crazy. And then he uh, released a full 10 episode TV show. I yeah. Think, January, in January. 2018. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's insane. I don't know how he did that. I, I, he just, he does it not work. <laughs> I, yeah, well. I, I guess, I guess so. I, I actually, I was lucky enough to interview him last year, and I, that was like one of my first questions was, how did how? you do, t- how to? <laughs> and, um, he was, he told me that like, they started Lou Over the Wall, and then the opportunity came up to do Night is Short, and he yeah. was like, well, it's only, you know, the only people that are going to be waiting are my team, so, Let's just do this. So, like, he actually made a film in the middle of making another film. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, in the press release, I remember him talking about just being like, well, you know, I'm young. I'm really creative. I have all this energy. I might as well just put out as much as I can. Wow. Well, grateful for that. That's <laughs> cute. And Nina, I know that you were lucky enough to see it on the big screen as part of this release so yes i was it was actually my birthday sweet Um, happy birthday for then thank (laughs) you i you know you know i'm a huge uasa fan tatami galaxy was actually the first uasa project i ever saw and so i remember when this was announced i was so excited and then when i saw it was going to actually be on my birthday i was like that's what i'm gonna do Hmm. um so i went with some friends and it was really interesting because the animation community in New York City is very tight knit, so I ended we ended up seeing a bunch of our colleagues and so there was Annie people and like former like classmates 
who we didn't even know were going to be there um, because it was, you know, such a niche film event. So that was really neat. It was amazing on the big screen, like watching a Yuasa film on a huge screen is, is just such a spectacle. <laughs> um, I, it was a fantastic time and I was really grateful to be able to do it. Uh, Dan, did, I guess, I think you had just had the screeners when you saw it last year, didn't you? Yeah, I think yeah. unfortunately I did. I mean, they were fine. Um, yeah. I watched them on big, big telly and yeah. sat really close. <laughs> to get the full fact. Um, yeah, actually, I watched because um, when this because when they were released in the UK, like it was this and uh, Lou over the wall were pretty much released very very close together. Yeah, and I watched them. I watched them both in the same evening because mm, you were doing the interview. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so basically, uh, yeah, I just watched screeners and. Uh, they were fine and it was very I mean the colours were all there mm-hmm. and that's the main thing for me was just it's such a it's one of those movies where like the experience of watching it is delightful it really um, is like moment to moment like for, for pretty much from like the start it's just like oh, this is really fun and like it, it's it's um like positive and I, I think Nina earlier you said it, the Tommy Galaxy was a kind of sensory overload it but was. it's a really pleasant sort of sensation of sensory overload which yeah no I, I I'll just say that I like this film a lot <laughs> Yeah, Tatami Galaxy had a little bit more angst to it, so I wasn't sh- I, I was sort of expecting that with this movie. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was it. It, it had I mean, I guess the typical and obvious thing that I'm thinking is that that's do with the protagonists and Tatami Galaxy had a male protagonist and it was about like very sort of male gazy concerns basically. Mhm. And this is a story about quite a carefree, almost too carefree, um, uh, female, uh, like college age. Like, she, she, she is a college kid as well, isn't she? It's kind of yeah. unclear whether she goes to that. Yeah, they were, um, they're to- Kyoto University students. Right, okay. Yeah, and Chris? What's your? I liked it. I did like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't feel like you have to, uh, uh, you know, like don't hold back if you're going to pour pour some poop on the party. (laughs) (laughs) No, this this is one of those cases. This is one of those cases of it just being a case of I liked it. I liked it Mm -hmm. plenty. It's just I probably not as enthusiastic about it as other people are uh i would i i enjoyed i i love the i love the visual style and the animation and i like some of the crazy ideas and everything and i enjoyed the manic nature of it and stuff it's just sort of as a coherent experience as a as a story it didn't quite hang together to me as much as other things have done um and 
I am. I would just say, I would. I was a big fan of Lou Over the Wall. That was mm-hmm. my. That was my first. I think that was my first um, taste of Yuasa. Actually, um, I might have just seen like clips or stuff of his animation before. Um, I had not seen. Obviously, I hadn't seen Devil Cry Baby at that point because it hadn't come out yet. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't seen Tatum Galaxy. I haven't seen Ping Pong. Uh, that was his other series, one of his other series. I haven't seen these uh, other shows, and I haven't seen Mind Game. So I'm, you know, a bit behind on the US train. But I was, I was all in when I saw Lou Over the Wall because I love it, and yeah. it, it's uh, it's very charming and cute and everything. And this this is different, and I also really liked Devilman Crow Baby, which is again completely different from Lou Over the Wall. So mm. it's it's just yeah, it's just one of these cases where you I find myself in a bit like no, I'm not really criticizing anything about it that much. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. They're, and they're you know they're some of the harder episodes to argue because I'm not actually. I, argue, I'm not arguing anything. I'm just not quite. <laughs> and I'm not. I don't want an argument. I no, don't worry, man. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say you sort of um, hit upon something that I think makes Urasa kind of unique as an animation director. Probably only Takahata, you could say, was like this. In that he, project to project, challenges himself to do something different. Mm-hmm. For sure. And even though this, obviously, production-wise, like, feels very much like an offshoot of Tatami Galaxy, stylistically, and obviously with the characters and everything, it's still quite different to Tatami mm-hmm. Galaxy. But, like, the, the reason I love him so much is that, like, with every single new, and he was like this pretty much from the beginning of his career as a director, where every project was different. Uh, and yeah, I, I kind of, I find that just fascinating as a, as a, um, as a director that he's able to do that because lots of animation directors, once they find a sweet spot, they kind of stick with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he really like his MO seems to be not to do that like the fact that he had not only the fact that he had uh, this Devilman Crybaby and Lure Over the Wall released within 12 months of each other is one thing but the fact that they're all such different projects is yeah kind of unbelievable yeah it's I understand what you're saying Chris because like it's a little it's like not as like it's not a very like personal movie. The plot is a little all over the place. It's mostly just like a fun, weird, like romp mm. of a film. Like it's not really plot heavy. It's not really like character heavy. It's mostly just like the going on this ride. So like I can understand why like you don't have like a particularly like connection to the film or anything mm. like it's not your favorite whereas like Lou over the wall definitely was a lot more um you know it, it, it was it the, the family friendly aspect of it made it a little bit more charming and like it, it had yeah. like these really cute characters who you really rooted for and you didn't want anything bad to happen to them and 
Whereas these characters are all like so kind of caught up in their own weird world and their world mm-hmm. is so weird. It's like similar to ours, but not mm-hmm. that, like, it, it's not like it, it doesn't have the same impact as, as something like Crybaby, which is like this very character narrative based story or something like Lure of the Wall. Like it, it is this very different kind of experience for sure. Uh, yeah, and like I guess actually also thinking about it now, like um, you and me, Nina, have seen Tatami Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess that is as much as they are standalone uh, projects. Uh, that's probably quite a good primer for how to take uh, the Night is Short. Yeah, definitely Be- because... because it's so out there if you because it, it just jumps straight into whatever its thing is yeah like it doesn't like slow down at any point it doesn't no. like hold your hand it's just kind no. of like, let's go 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 like it's from one yeah. weird set piece to the next weird sure. set piece it reminds me of a movie kind of uh, you guys have you guys seen inherent vice no i that's a um Paul Thomas Anderson one. Yeah, it's it's like oh, a. I can't remember. If I've seen it's like a, it's it's Joaquin Phoenix, and he's like a stoner, like in the late sixties, just bumming around, um, like Southern California, just finding, just stumbling into escapades, and it's kind of. It reminds me of this movie, or this movie reminded me of that because it's. The point is to try and just sit with it and take it and not to make sense and go. Because when you break it down, it actually has a really simple plot. Oh, yeah. But it also has one of the most complicated plots <laughs> ever, it, 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 depending which way you want to look at it. And part of the reason for that, I, I was reading in the press release, is the original novel that this is based on, Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't take place over the course of one night. It's actually each season is its own set of events that takes place over multiple days. Oh. Also, when he was like making the movie, he was like, well, the, the book is called Night is Short, so why don't we just make it one night? <laughs> so it's, he's act- he actually condenses an entire school year into mm-hmm. one night, um, which was part of like the whole joke where it's like, it's like we lived a whole year with all the seasons changing and things. Cause the book was actually separated into four parts of spring, summer, fall, and winter. That's so Japanese. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense, but it's, it's interesting. Cause it also, I mean like Ulysses is another thing where it's like, it's just one crazy day. And one crazy night is a really cinematic sort of idea. Yeah, I was thinking that was basically the sort of genre it's in is things mm-hmm. like the one I I don't know why I always think of it, but I think it's because I studied it was the um, Martin Scorsese film After Hours. Yeah. Uh, oh, that's perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, it's just all these crazy things happened to the characters in one night, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what it is. Although at one point I was thinking, is could, is this all one night? I'm not confused. I'm, <laughs> how are people getting colds? What's that's that's weird. What's the incubation? Yeah, period. Yeah. It's kind of I was because I yeah I was definitely doing that today. I was like, okay, so if she got to there around 
I mean, it's dark, so it's probably winter. And then, okay, so if she, she could, okay, well, that's, we can say that scene happened at about eight, and now it's probably, you know, like maybe 11, so there's some time left before people get too tired. I, mean, <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like, you know, when you're going out on a crazy night, time doesn't mm-hmm. pass normally, and, it, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's you know logically it doesn't make any sense. Oh yeah, it's like um, the world's end as well. Yeah, oh, exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. But what I love about this film, and I loved about it since like that I first saw it, so many movies, particularly American movies, um, but even though like actually uh, the world's end isn't American, and it's, I think it still kind of has the same thing. There's a kind of uh, responsibility, it seems, whenever alcohol is depicted, mm-hmm. that it has to show the vices of it, and that it's it, there's there lots of Catholic ideas tied up with the depiction of alcohol in cinema. <clears throat> but actually, I love the night short because it just shows how delightful and fun drinking can be. Yeah, like it's and like- I, I think that's like I don't know if I've actually seen that before now that you bring it up i don't think i have either because there's usually always some kind of like oh you drank too much we're in trouble Mm -hmm. but like here it was like she won the day by being really good at drinking (laughs) and like they just had fun and she would go from one bar to the next bar and meet all these new people and just had a really Mm -hmm. good time and there wasn't baggage to it it was just like bar hopping is fun (laughs) i relate to that much more than like a demonic sort of i mean i'm 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 lucky enough to be able to say that that i usually have fun when i'm drinking and you know i i i um i have addictions in other parts of my personality but uh yeah like i think that's that's one of the reasons i love the movie so much like the montage at the start when she's talking about how amazing cocktails are and (laughs) There are just these colors, and they're depicted like like potions or something. Yeah, I, mean, I love that stuff. I do really like all the the uh, you know like the montages with all the like flat colors and everything, and the little all the, the imagery in that stuff. Yeah, it's so dreamlike. The mm-hmm. and then there's the whole like um, the imitation like whiskey stuff. And oh yeah, that ma- that's like a legend or something. Like it's 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 depicted with this sort of like mythic, like wonder. I w- I was noticing like there's something really interesting about the visual style in that it's got this, yeah, you know, it's got the Yuasa look of you know being quite not very realistic and uh, mm-hmm. a bit a bit plain sort of in a way you know it's like it's you've got like almost blank faces with just the the uh the uh <laughs> the <laughs> brain it's okay um, it's sort of like a super flat kind of style yeah yeah, oh, yeah I, I saw i saw a couple of reviews call it that and i think it's kind of true like it's it's a. Yeah. I'm trying to look up the name of the artist. He's an illustrator. Um, it's like flat colors and and like uh, simple. Oh, I know, I know who you mean, uh, Nina. He did the um, 
he did the poster, I think. You, Yusuke Nakamura. Um, mm-hmm. He, so he's an illustrator, and he um, he does the album covers for all the Asian Kung Fu Generation albums. Yeah. And Asian Kung Fu Generation did a song for both Tatami Galaxy and this movie. And mm-hmm. he was actually the character designer for both Tatami Galaxy and this film. So the style is very much based on his art where he has like, you know, the characters have like white skin yeah. and it's very flat and graphic. I mean, I, his illustrations are so. Flat. Yeah. That's, they're yeah. amazing. Yeah. That, that's, that's what I was trying to say. And he also <laughs> did the, um, he did the, the reason why he's the, the art director or the, for the, these movies is because he did the cover for the original novels as well. Mm-hmm. So like he had already designed these characters when it was just a light novel and then like went back and revisited to design them when they were becoming a TV show and then a movie. So I think it's really neat. Yeah. Uh, and what, yeah. What I was going to, was uh, originally trying to say, we're trying, well, before I lost the ability to speak uh, was that you've got that, that style, the real one you associate with Yuasa things and, and that art style and everything mixed in with sort of much more realistic things. Like I noticed there was, uh, I think it was in, I think it's uh, in a sequence in a bar, one of the bars early on where um, someone's mixing a cocktail or something. And Mm -hmm. uh, like, if you, like the detail on the bottle and things like that, and the detail of the animation of the of the actual mixing of the drink, everything is much more realistic, and it mixes with that flat style and the graphic style. And I thought it's really interesting the sort of the contrast between the two. Like the really, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, a really amazing point. And I think you see it in a lot of your Asa stuff. I think it's also in. Devilman Crybaby and yeah, he really well. plays with like static images and then really highly fluid images, and they kind of mm-hmm. go back and forth. Like there mm-hmm. are some scenes where like the characters really aren't moving at all, and then there are some scenes where like everything is moving so mm-hmm. am- like with such nuance and it, w- but with that really simplified style. So it's like a really interesting balance that he he plays with in his work. Yeah, it, yeah. It's pretty annoying if anyone ever says, "Oh, your Asa stuff is badly animated or whatever." No, <laughs> it's not. It's some bits are like deliberately sketchy or whatever, or simply animated, and then you get bits that are incredibly fluid. And you know, he knows when to employ them. <laughs> the like the mm-hmm. scene when in the fall episode where they were doing the music like the runaway like musical like there were certain parts where like the characters were just kind of standing static for like it mm. felt like 30 seconds and it oh, almost yeah. gives you this uncanny feeling of like oh <laughs> oh i think that that was absolutely the joke surely with that stuff is yeah and i don't know i don't know anyone who watched that and go well, this is this you know oh, it's not moving like the joke is is that it's like it's meant to feel like a very sort of stiff yeah, very you know, stage. Amateur performance. Yeah. Yeah. Amateur sort of performance. And like it's, when you're you're just staring at it for such a long time and you're like, it just gets funnier and funnier. That's the thing about this movie. It's so funny. The humor is so weird. Mm-hmm. It's really hilarious. Um, so before we get like too off track, I just want to go back to something that Chris said. Okay. I've just been like, 
my my mind's just been like running off on one ever since you said that, Chris. The thing I think that I like about this movie so much, and it makes a lot of sense to know that it's adapted from a novel, kind of, is that it uses the form of animation in a way that a live action movie probably couldn't. And that by by which I mean like you know, like in a novel when the writer is able to use the broadest stroke or the finest stroke to draw your attention to something as as like as as micro detailed as like how uh, a carpet is woven or something, mm. but also at the same time something as large as the passing of time, like a, a year or something. And this movie manages to do that where he is focusing uh, your attention purposefully and omitting everything that is not necessary to each moment. So like whenever there's a flashback, they're all told in that sort of like silhouette style because it doesn't matter. Like the details don't matter as much. And I guess like uh, to be really a film school uh, about it, <laughs> um, at the end, actually, um, the uh, backgrounds get very realistic, and it's sort of um, a reflection of how the uh, the character herself is sort of um, uh, clarified a few things in her mind, and she's not so, um, uh, you know, head in the clouds and everything. Mm. Yeah, but, it's almost uh, like it's almost like the uh, the city is the character in itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite character. Yeah. <laughs> it has some great lines. Yeah, no, um, yeah, but I think that's actually one thing that jumped out on me this time watching the movie was, oh, this is a really internal, like, film. Like, it's, 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 it's easier to watch it as Scott Pilgrim, you know, and go, well, this is just all in her head, this mad shit. And it's, and it's about how she feels rather than, you know, just a load of decoration for no reason. Yeah, it's about her kind of growing up and like becoming like a, a woman and an independent adult woman and like finding her own way and mm-hmm. making her own relationships and finding out what she wants and just getting it, you know, and not like taking no and like taking agency and doing yeah. what she wants to do, even if it might not be like what she's supposed to do. Yeah, that's so that's actually something that I did like about the film when I first saw it was that it didn't judge the characters much in the same way that they're not judged for drinking so much. It doesn't, it's, it, it kind of loves them uh, for, and it doesn't, it doesn't judge them with tons of the story and it doesn't judge them any other way. It, it sort of quite, quite plainly depicts these people. And I mean, like you could easily, and I think I don't love the senpai character in the yeah, film. Same. He, you could easily call him like a total creep and because he is. But then you could also see it and be kind of forgiving. And the film kind of lets you make your own mind up about that. And I like that. Yeah, he gets very... Once we get inside his mind, like I felt for him a lot more with all his yeah. different complexes and like the way that his he had a lot of self-hatred about himself and the way that he was handling this crush. And like, he knew he was being a creep um, and he didn't, didn't know what to do. And like, mm-hmm. and that whole exploration I thought was really, 
really interesting to look into that, like that di- that dichotomy. Like where it's like, what is it like the the um, like the Senate of his brain, <laughs> where they're just like, yeah. we're the worst. No, we're not. Yes, we are. <laughs> that 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 whole scene for me is like classic Uasa, where it's like, okay, let's sensory overload of dialogue, and then like an explosion of effects animation and spectacle. But then it really, you feel it because it's yeah. so chaotic and, and, dis, and, and, and strange and like, you don't know what you're looking at. You really feel the, the, the conflict in his head and like the pain that he's going through because he's, you know, have, he's being pulled in all these different directions. Yeah. Um, I think the first time I watched it, I didn't like the ending because I was like, girl, you can do so much better than him. Like, can't yeah. you see? Like, he's a total, like, creep that he, I mean, like, yeah, he got that book that you was your childhood, you know, uh, memento, but it, it, come on, let's put two and two together. That's not How that sweet. How did you find out about it? Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But the, 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 the it is a, sorry, Nina, to like, let you, get back on track it is a funny movie and that's actually another reason i like it so much yeah i mean i know i agree with you like i wasn't super big on the romantic aspect of it i felt like but i i do i guess Mm -hmm. i like the Mm -hmm. fact that they were just going to start actually getting to know each other i just wish they could have done it without the kind of like somewhat deceit on the part of uh senpai where he had to like lie and pretend about things and he couldn't just be honest but I don't know. I feel like if they're starting slow and they're just getting to know each other, that's better than them being like, okay, we're like in love or whatever. Yeah. And she's a hard enough lass that she can flick his nose, I think, when she needs oh, sure. to. And yeah, she can handle herself. Well, she can dump him later, maybe. She should dump him. <laughs> I think so. That, yeah. That was, that was probably something that maybe I didn't didn't uh wasn't so into was i guess Mm -hmm. i was more interested you know i was like yeah follow her wacky adventures or whatever and not so much interested in that i don't really care about him whatever (laughs) no not really i like that he was like a butt monkey throughout Mm. the movie because he kind of deserved it (laughs) but yeah 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 one thing actually that was interesting that came up in the interview with Russell was he mentioned that the original novel, and I don't think this is something that actually came through in the subtitles, unfortunately, because I don't really know how uh, it could be done without being annoying or just seem like a stylistic thing. And I'm not sure if this is actually how a character speak in the movie. Um, but he mentioned that part of the appeal with the novels for him was that the dialogue was all written in um, very old-fashioned language. Like the equivalent of like Shakespearean, I guess. Um, I think okay, that kind of makes sense because they they kept using the very formal word for woman the whole time. Oh, really? Okay. And I yeah. noticed in the English they they wouldn't even translate it; they would just use the Japanese word for like. Yeah, I guess that's a casualty of localization, which I don't actually blame the the translators. No, for now I understand why it would they be tried annoying. Yeah, yeah. It would be, it would probably be irritating, but um, he was saying that that was sort of whole part of the um, 
it was it was apparently it was it was funny to him to read it that way because it was these contemporary characters, these college characters, these very simple characters speaking like they were great um, characters in literature. And there's a little bit of a flavor of that with how some of the backgrounds look like they have like traditional patterns sort of, you know, uh, somehow pasted in wherever they can. Yeah. I mean, it helps that it takes place in Kyoto, which is, you know, like the ancient, historical city in japan so that gives it like this extra like almost like archaic feeling and it's also right okay also got those um it's got the sort of mythical elements to the story as well like the fact that there's character oh who's a tengu just happens to be so there's just what's a tengu it didn't really it's a a type of yokai like oh okay they're like bird Um, people there was i'm pretty was it in Tekken? I think the old vi- the video game series. There was a Tengu as a boss at some point. Was it? I can't remember if it was Tekken. Um, maybe I'm not very familiar yeah. with Tekken. Yeah, there was, there was some. That first time I ever saw a Tengu was in a video game of some sort, oh, and it was okay. a beat em up. Beat em up. Uh, I can't remember if it was that or Dead or Alive or one of those games. Anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there's, there's like, yeah, yeah. and there's also another character who's a god of, and there's the, the god of sneezing and things, and like that strange train that seems to come out of, like, that train, I don't think it necessarily runs along tracks, so there's like these um, supernatural elements as well. That and just, the god of the old books market. Yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, I like uh, Yeah, no, I, that was, pro- that might be my favourite part of the movie. Because it seems like that's the part where all of the elements are really gelling and the whole idea of him trying to win her heart through um, like, like you said, like sort of like weirdly supernatural means, Mm -hmm. but him also having to do a, you know, the, the eating the hot food competition thing. Like I, I love that scene because it's, also, like classic Yuasa, like going, okay, well, how do I, in the most, how do I depict this in the most expressive way with animation? And like, it's so funny with their massive lips. And, yeah, where they're just painfully eating spicy food. And for some reason, like, all of the cuts of meat are like twice the size of their face. <laughs> yeah, he he's been really into like when they eat food, the way they they distort like their whole body goes like gulp, you know, like the U.S. Yeah, I've started calling that the U.S. gulp. He does it in everything. Yeah, he does it in the Adventure Time episode as well. Yeah, he, he did. Directed. Yeah, yeah, it's just fun. I don't know. It just adds like an extra bit of silliness. Well, it kind of reminds. Yeah, it's like well, it's a cartoon. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Like, There's no reason for everything to not be. As elastic as that. Yeah, like that's kind of the point, making a cartoon sometimes. Um, yeah, so I guess we can't really discuss the plot, like I said, because it's, it's either, oh, there's a girl, she walks around and she drinks with a load of people, and then there's also this guy who's trying to get chase her. her. Yeah, and that's kind of it, right? There's not. Yeah, more or less. And, you know, they all kind of grow. They have some funky adventures, um, but it kind of—it's kind of like broken down. It's—I think it's 
interesting you said um, episodes, Nina, and it did strike me like that when I was watching it today. Like, it's almost quite cleanly after about 20, 25 minutes, like a new bit happens. There's a new, yeah. there's a new adventure. Because it's the, the new season starts up. I, I read in the press release that apparently Yuasa for the fall season, which was the musical one, apparently he, he wanted to just kind of skip it <laughs> and do it really quickly. But it's apparently it's like one of the most well-received or part of the book, like that fans, it's like fans favorite part of the book. So he's like, oh, okay, I just have to draw it out and do the whole thing. <laughs> um, so I think it's kind of neat. That part definitely is like one of those jokes where it's like, this isn't funny at all. And then it just keeps going. And then it's like, oh, this is kind of funny. And then, oh, no, this isn't funny. And then it just becomes hilarious. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's so awkward. <laughs> and the singing is like, I don't know if it's even very good singing. No, it's it's rubbish. It's yeah, so it's good. Not very good. I, I, but, but like it forces you, like it treats you to uh, twenty minutes or so of just it's really bad, like Lemmy's style, like <laughs> musical where every single bloody word is sung. And it's like a full-on musical. Like I did not expect that at all, and I was like, oh wow, this is still going, <laughs> yeah, still singing. <laughs> yeah, that bit is going a bit. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I did not. I obviously did not twig to the season thing at all. I don't know. No, I didn't know. either. So it, it's like that crowded house song four seasons in one day. Apparently, I did not understand that. So it's probably <laughs> I. But I tell you're saying about um the, the fact that you've both seen Totomic Galaxy and you think it's a good primer or whatever. But I didn't feel like. I didn't feel like a particular disadvantage. I didn't feel like, oh, I needed to have seen something before I watched this. I I felt it, you know, completely works as its own thing. It, oh, yeah, it definitely does. Yeah. I might have got more out of it if I'd seen The Time of Galaxy first, and perhaps I should, you know, watch that at some point and then come yeah. back to it. I mean, it it's I think... fun because a lot of characters are, like, reused, mm. but they're, like, interpreted in a different way. Did you guys see the um, Lou Over the Wall cast in the musical scenes? I did. No, I didn't. And then I saw the Pug Mermaid was uh, one of the prizes at the festival. Ah, brilliant. Oh, I missed that too. <laughs> yeah, there's like, there's like one shot where it's just, it's just the kids from Lou Over the Wall. Ah. Uh, like cheering a, in the crowd. It's like a lot of Easter eggs. <laughs> it was really yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. No, when I said like it's a good primer, Chris, I think I meant like, um, just in terms of familiarity with the voice that it yeah. uses, yeah, like because tall. it is a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like if you're not, if you're not familiar with, however he he adapts this uh, this author's work, like it's it can be kind of off-putting, maybe. And it's bizarre some of the things like. They're like very specific bits, like you know the underpants guy and yeah. the yeah. P- underpants thief, and like all these really strange things. And you're like, what? <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, like, and there are there are certain references that like kind of don't come across if you're not familiar with Tommy Galaxy, like um, the cowboy character. 
inside a senpai's mind. Um, he's from Tatami Galaxy, and he's like representative of like libido um, in in that show, which they didn't really explain in this movie. But he's like in the movie mm-hmm. <laughs> representing that. Like I had friends I was with, and they're like, I didn't really get the cowboy metaphor, yeah. and I was like, Oh yeah, it's because that was from Tatami Galaxy. Um, Such a bad Woody knockoff. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I, I do remember actually who that. I remember the cowboy now. <laughs> yeah. Now, just the fact that you said that, Dan, that bit, <laughs> that made me remember. Oh no, yeah, I remember that cowboy bit. Yeah, Johnny the cowboy. Yeah. Oh. That, that was weird. <laughs> it is weird. Yeah. Um, and just little things like that, like. In the musical, there was one character from the TV show who was talking about, like, this character named Cowrie, who's, like, that's, like, a reference to one of the plot lines from Tatami Galaxy, and, like, there's, like, a cutaway to, like, a boob wall, which is also a reference to the show. Like, there's a lot of little references here and there um, that it might make a little bit more sense if you watch the show, but I, I do agree with with you and with you also that you don't need to see it to have a good time. No, no. One thing I would say that fits in with the sort of the one crazy night type uh, setup is definitely the way that there's so many things that, that are set up early and and like, you know, they're going to come back later. Like, right. I know the fact that they're mentioning the fact that he dresses up, as a girl sometimes it's going to come back later and then what do you know <laughs> See, you say that but again i don't you're right I and mean, i should have known better like mm-hmm. i actually forgot about that that plot yeah. point but um the sort of sensory overload thing with tatami galaxy is that that stuff isn't actually necessarily the case all the time <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes there will be like an aside where it's just like, oh, you. That's a really crazy plot point to just, oh, and it's gone. Like it's, you know, you're already, you're already whizzing past onto the next thing already. And, um, that's, I think that's kind of the fun of it, actually, where it's, it's kind of like you're, okay, what am I meant to be paying attention to? What's, what's, and I, I get a lot of joy out of that, actually. Like the, the, the sort of, it almost gets you, you into a manic state mm-hmm. as well. And I weirdly enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it really pumps you up. Like it, it really, it, it's, it's hard not to be invested in the movie, even if you don't know what's going on, because there's just so much being thrown at you and it, it's so stimulating. You know, you're yeah. not going to get bored for sure. Um, and, and, and it's just kind of infectious. Like it, it has such a positive energy to it that you just feel good. Even if you're confused, yeah. <laughs> which is what I really liked about it. And like when the credits finally rolled, like everybody in the theater just had like a big smile on their face. Even if they were like not 100% sure what they just saw, it was just like, well, that was just really positive and happy. And Yeah. Yeah. That's, that is definitely how I take the film. I can understand why. I'm not going to try and like psychoanalyze what Chris's reaction was or anything like that, but I think, <laughs> I think it's definitely, it's not one of those movies where 
um there's like the classic sort of catharsis where it's like oh this has added up to this and this whole experience is leading up to this one moment where you know like a movie like i know for instance coco is probably a really good example of that where it's like okay everything is like there's no fat on the film because everything is leading up to this one moment where bam like the bomb's gonna hit and you're gonna like everything's gonna fall into place and it's gonna be this story which has been crafted to lead to this one thing it's definitely like uh night is short is definitely much more meandering and um there's not a point and i kind of yeah. like that about it yeah it's about the journey not the destination yeah okay. and I, I mean definitely like if you handed this in uh, like a in a screenwriting course you might get like a bad mark <laughs> you might get a bad grade on it because it doesn't have all of those classic you know things that you'd expect from a movie yeah, i mean it doesn't even really have a three-act structure it's a four-act structure four-act structure yeah I don't, I don't think you necessarily need like that sort of ending in a film of this type anyway you don't know it just it just sort of goes until the end of the you know basically it just propels itself forward until it gets to the end of the evening and whatever happens and that's that's your that's the end you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) you might have i don't know everything going a bit mad at the end or whatever a big climax but it doesn't really have that either it doesn't like no there's not you could sort of imagine an end ending where like the end would be like every character who's been in the whole film is all coming back at the the end and everyone comes together or whatever and something happens and it doesn't do that either <laughs> not really but, i no. mean the, the there's a, definitely a climactic set piece i mean where the animation really ramps up and it's it's mm-hmm. really cool looking but yeah it's not really like a I mean, I guess everything was leading up to the moment of them, like, finally mm-hmm. talking to each other, but it doesn't really even feel like that's... No, not really, because on paper, all that happens is everyone gets a bit ill, mm. and she goes, oh, well, I'm going to go home, and then she goes home for a bit, yeah. and then the dude calls her... No, she goes and sees the guy who's the cross-dresser, and... Um, she's like, oh, yeah, you know, the, that guy, and then he goes, oh, you know, I... I've got his number and she goes, all right, I'll pop, ro- I'll, I'll pop round then. Yeah. And it's very, yeah, it's not like in terms of events, it's not eventful. No. But I like that, you know, like that they made a movie out of that. <laughs> yeah. Like they made it a movie as pretty mundane stuff, honestly, but like because of the way, like, I don't know. Cause when you're living your life, it doesn't always feel mundane. It, it feels like, you know, you're the main character and this is your life and it's really interesting and you're going through all this stuff and what might to somebody on the outside seem like a really basic moment could be like a really big moment for you. So internally it feels like a climax, even if it's just something really simple because it's like, you know, it's your life and your journey. And I feel like that's kind of what they were trying to do where it's like, you know, it's, mostly a simple story but it feels bigger because it's her journey Mm. yes 
Sweet. Well, I, I don't have anything else to say, really, because <laughs> I think we've had an amazing little chat about this. Yeah, it's it's kind of like not the easiest film to talk about because because it's so visual. Like yeah. it's like going, wow, it's so lovely, they're colly, pretty colours and flowers yeah. and lovely shapes and <laughs> funny animation. Yeah, it, I know, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. otherwise we're just going to be going, oh, that bit where. Yeah, I mean, even as like the one of us who isn't as quite as keen on it, I would still say it's worth checking out, especially if you like Masaki Uwasa stuff. Um, I would if, say yes. I mean, like, just check it out because it's so different to anything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, it's unlike any animation, and it's unlike any anime as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't. I think sometimes it's kind of pointless to even talk about anime or animation because it's all just animation. Yeah. Really. And if anyone proves that it's Yuasa. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Like, you know, if you, if you want a really unique experience that you've never had before, I definitely recommend it. And it's a good time. Like you'll laugh. You'll just have fun and experience something you've probably never seen before. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you've, if you're listening to this, you've missed the chance to see it on the cinema. Uh, but it's it's out now on like I think there's a collector's edition and everything on DVD and Blu-ray in the UK from Anime Limited, and I guess it'll be out on DVD and Blu-ray in the states in a few months. Um, probably maybe five if G Kids will team up with Shout Factory again or another company. Um, so check it out then. Um, in the meanwhile, you could uh, check out. Devil Man Cry Baby on Netflix and uh, pick up the um, pick up the mind game Blu-ray coming up soon as well. Complete your Yuasa collection. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. I think let's pay a little trip to the water cooler and talk about some other animation stuff we have been watching recently. Um, I'll just start off by saying I finally caught up with a little film called Incredibles 2. <laughs> only about three or four months after most people um because i was i was a nice uncle and i decided to wait until i i could go with my my little nieces and oh. we, I, I only introduced them recently until the first film because they hadn't seen it so i thought right no nope, they have to see that first and uh both my nieces and my nephew who's only four <laughs> they absolutely loved it and oh, wow and and have watched it about four times since since then um and my nephew just keeps wanting to watch it um (laughs) the only trouble was because the uh, he's only four and uh the new film's a pg where his uh mum wasn't didn't want him to see it unfortunately um but i went with my nieces and even though i am somebody who is quite fussy about my film experience and doesn't like noise and everything and uh being interrupted I do enjoy when you're watching like a a kids film and with my nieces and well, of course when, yeah. when they're when they're really excited and they're like turning to me and going oh, I love this so much or whatever oh. something like that that's always such a great moment and with this one as as the credits ran my the my younger niece said I want to watch it again which I think is like the perfect review for it mm-hmm. <laughs> from the highest a nine year old. Um, but from from a grown man, I also really enjoyed it. Um, 
I would say one thing. Um, I, I, if you ask me, like you don't ago, like cartoons. No, <laughs> <laughs> can't stand them. It's my secret. No. Um, if you asked me years ago, I probably would have said um, Incredibles. The first one was one of my favourite Pixar. But I think in the intervening years, I think they've kind of stepped up their game a bit. And uh, I, I think a lot of their films, you don't. We we talked about this before. Like um, you don't want to like uh, penalise something for what it's not. And I think you know lots of more recent Pixar films have become more sophisticated or whatever. And the whole, the whole thing where they've just you just got used to the fact that they normally make you cry when they bring out a new Pixar film. Yeah. And it, Incredibles, the first one is you know it's a really good action film. It's really fun. Um, it's got some heart and everything. Um, and I think Incredibles two as well. It's just like I really enjoyed it while I was watching it. Um, but I don't think you know it's not hasn't got that extra like it's, it has got some part to it of course but i don't think you know it's a film that's going to be sticking with me in the same way like something like coco does or mm-hmm. or woolly mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. or up for example which i think you know or even toy story 3 inside out or inside out yeah i think that you know, destroyed me i mean there's nothing wrong with just being a a really good fun film with amazing action sequences and obviously fantastic animation and uh, a kind of obvious villain reveal <laughs> um but i have been i have been asked by rachel who's not on the show today uh she did ask what i thought about a particular famous sequence um which is the um jack jack and the raccoon sequence that if you've seen the film you know about and Never too good a thing if you're overthinking something while you're watching it, but it did come in my mind. I did just think about how amazing like the visual stories, visual storytelling was in that bit, in the way it conveys like Jack Jack's watching the telly and he sees someone with a a, um, a burglar mask on, and then he sees the raccoon, and he like without any dialogue, whatever you just you just get that like, oh he thinks the raccoon is a burglar, and mm-hmm. Then you get this amazing piece of like um, visual comedy and uh, action, and yeah. No, I I think that's my favourite sequence too. It's mm-hmm. like a Looney Tunes short, yes, like it, in the middle of the movie. Yeah, exactly. That is exactly what it's like. It's just like a it, that that little bit is probably like best animated picture, Oscar, right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> just that little bit. I mean, the film the film is great and fun and everything. It's just that bit is just as a, a little piece of classic animation. But the film as a whole is everyone knows that it's great. I I know <laughs> I'm not. No, I, th- I think I yeah. think it's uh, you're being really fair on it, and I kind of know what you mean. It's it's a, it's in a way, its ambition is it's is it's, I don't think it has a problem, but. Yeah, exactly. It's its weakness is like it's actually got lots and lots of things it wants to do, mm-hmm. and the original movie is kind of leaner out of necessity yeah. and a couple other things. And yeah. it's it's kind of like that case of like they can they can do everything, mm-hmm. but it's what you 
choose not to do is what makes something like really remarkable. And I think it's yeah, it's probably just slightly overstuffed. Mm. I mean, I know because it made all the money. Um, <laughs> it is on course for being. It might even become the most successful animated film of all time. I know it's second I mean, it at the moment. Broke, didn't it break Frozen's record? No, it hasn't yet. It's oh. it's gone. It's gone past Minions. <laughs> so it's now. In it's depth. not had the sing-along revival screenings. No, no, it hasn't. Um, but it did get a little encore in America for um, uh, Labor Day, I think. Oh, which cool. Was, which was probably trying to push it over somewhere, <laughs> over past something else. Um, oh but, yeah, I no- I noticed that when um, I saw because uh, they have like uh, rep screenings like uh, in the mornings a lot. Yeah. And yeah, I noticed like loads of parents were like taking their kids to see it still. Like, yeah. Well, two weeks like, ago. Yeah. yeah. And I've just seen it this weekend. So it's still on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I was going to say is um, there, I have seen, you know, people and I go, Oh yeah, I can't wait. I hope they do a third one really soon. And I'm just thinking, I, I don't think we really need another one. <laughs> uh, which is well the re- yeah I think the thing is like as good and as amazing it is that it happened yeah I have a little snifter of a feeling that it was made because in a way I'm not saying Brad Bird didn't want to do it mm. but it was a kind of favour yeah. to Pixar mm-hmm. um, yeah maybe and Usually, what happens after favors that do incredibly well is people get a little bit of a blank check, maybe, and it will be really cool if you know. Because the same thing happened to Gendy Tartakovsky yeah. when Total Transylvania three like smashed records itself. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it, I think his next thing is probably going to be very interesting because. Um, I mean, they were going to give him the this Popeye was so successful. Movie, but then they cancelled it. Which yeah. Which I was very upset about, considering he did make them so much money <laughs> with those See, Transylvania movies. I'm sure that would have been amazing, but I heard uh, a few things about like the story maybe not working so well. and Maybe. I, I think that, for me, that still probably would have felt like him helming someone else's franchise. Mm. Mm. And it would be really cool to see what Gendy, you know, is going to make up himself because it's been a while since he's done that. It's true. Yeah. I would definitely would rather see Brad Bird do something else than an Incredibles three. I mean, even if he had a really good idea, <laughs> uh, I'd rather. Yeah, I, th- I think he's doing a live action thing next. Yeah. Uh. Yeah, he's been doing <laughs> live action for a while too. Oh come on, Ghost <laughs> Protocol is like. Mixed results. An amazing movie. Like, I, I, really, that... I really did like that film, but I would have <laughs> rather he'd been off making another animated movie, to be honest. Because anyone, you know, anybody, not anybody, but a lot of people could have directed that. <laughs> you think? Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. Okay. Is, that's very interesting. I think that there's that. a lot. I think there's a lot of Brad Bird in that movie. Uh, it's a long time since I've seen it, to be honest. But I'd, I would have, 
I, there's always a little bit of me, like if you see a, a animated filmmaker going off and do live action, I was a bit like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> do that. Um, yeah, sometimes I think. Well, for I me, mean, it is. I just prefer cartoons. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I I watched Incredibles too. It was really good, and also that um uh that the short beforehand was Bow is yeah. charming as hell. Yeah, mm. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. So yeah, that's what I watched. <laughs> uh, Nina. Yeah, so I've watched a couple things. Um, the thing that's been, probably been on my mind the most is the Adventure Time series finale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it aired this past Monday. Um, I, it was so beautiful. Um, I've been watching Adventure Time since I was like 15. Mm-hmm. And I've caught up with it the whole time. And I've just, it's been such an important show for American um, or Western children's television. It's really ushered in this like new era of cartoons and this new like sensibility and, and style. And so many people who worked on Adventure Time went on to make their own stuff that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then people from those shows are making things. So it's just, it's created this really wonderful, like, branching tree of, of wonderful projects. And it's just, it's been around for so long. And it was just so amazing to see it end. And I felt the ending was very satisfying to me. There were some really fun surprises. It was still funny. It was very emotional. The song that Rebecca Sugar wrote for it is so beautiful. I can't listen to it without bawling my eyes out. <laughs> I cried so much. Um, it wasn't sad. It was just good. Like it just, it was satisfying. It really captured that like Adventure Time sensibility where like Penn Ward always used to say, the creator, he always used to say that his favorite emotion is like happiness and sadness at the same time. Mm-hmm. And like as a writer and a creator, he gets he thinks it's the most rewarding to evoke that feeling in the audience. It's also one of the more difficult feelings. And I felt like the ending really captured that dichotomy of being both really happy and really sad at the same time. You know, I think that that complex layered feeling. Um, so I was just very satisfied with it. And I know a lot of people aren't behind. I know a lot of people are very behind on Adventure Time because it hasn't yeah. been relevant for a little while. Mm. But no, I don't know how um, how how fair this might be because I can't think of anything else right now. I don't know if there were cartoons before Adventure Time, or there hadn't been for a while at least, that would even dare to do something like that. To dare to go, well, we don't have to be funny right now. Like, it makes more sense in this part of the story to have this emotion because it's more honest. And without that, you definitely wouldn't have, like, Steven Universe. Yeah. Um, and... You know, throwing the emotions around that it does. And um, that is quite, yeah, that's actually an easy thing to forget because it seems so commonplace now. Yeah, and it wasn't always like that. Like, cartoons like in the not like late 90s and early 2000s, were very cynical and a little bit more mean-spirited, I would say. Um, I would think a lot of... Actually, I think a lot of things were... Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. I was talking to my mom, actually, about this earlier. I, 
can't remember what we were talking about, but it seems like, um, yeah, a, around that sort of era, everything was a lot more cynical. Yeah. And, and like, the things that are more popular nowadays are the things that are actually kind of nice. And they're very sincere. Earnest. It's earnest yeah. and sincere. And it, it's not ashamed to be what it is. Like Pendleton Ward, he, he always used to say, like, I hate it when characters yell at each other. And I don't want my characters to do that. I think it's annoying and it's not funny. And if you think about like you know, things like Ren and Stimpy and all mm. this stuff, like it's, it's you usually have, you have like the straight man who's like, and then like you have the idiot, like cat dog, um, mm-hmm. Pinky and the Brain, Angry Beavers. A lot of these shows, it's like you have the kind of smarter one and the dumber one and they just yell at each other. And the dumb one yeah. is like too dumb to know that they're in an abusive relationship. <laughs> and it's kind of like this, roommate sort of um relationship whereas with adventure time it was always really important that finn and jake are best friends and they love each other they don't hang out with each other because they have to it's because they want to and yeah. i like yeah. that, that the characters are with each other because they like each other <laughs> i think that that sensibility is also in like lots of sitcoms like around the end of the office people were starting to tire of how I mean, even the American office was kind of cynical at times. Oh, yeah, very much. They had, you know, and, um, but like Parks and Rec and like Brooklyn Nine-Nine are like, the characters love each other and they like being around each other. And there's very little, you know, like angst or arguing. Yeah, like what a concept. Friends are friends (laughs) because they like each other. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so in you know Adventure Time really pioneered a lot of things. It created it jump started a lot of careers. It did a lot of experimental stuff. You know, we were talking about the Yuasa episode and all oh, these different art styles and David O'Reilly did an episode. Yeah, the, the Buteras science, did one. Didn't Science Saru direct the intro to the final episode? They did. They did. It was really cool really well done um oh i think that might have been an unused thing that they did for the for the actual episode they made was it was it basically the opening yeah it's the they did a new opening for the finale and science yeah science star did the animation for it is it but is it basically the same opening um well it's like you know the standard adventure time opening but it's like a new world and like different characters oh okay oh i haven't seen that one it, yeah. it, does it does it work if i because i think i saw watching events of time maybe three four years ago was the last episode and you I can saw. just watch it and you're not i mean you might be a little confused but mm-hmm. i mean it's confusing even for me when i'm caught up with it because it was like a brand new like thing yeah um, because like when I tuned in, I thought it was going to be the regular opening, and then it wasn't. I was like, "Oh, okay. What is this? Who are these people? Where are we? All right. <laughs> um, it's pretty though. It's really fluid." Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it was just gorgeous. It was very emotional. It was honestly a really great conclusion, and I'm glad it it ended as well as it did. And cool. Was it an 11 minute episode or was it? No, it was a it was an hour. Oh, wow. wow. It was a big special. It was like four like episodes. A movie. Yeah. yeah, it was a big thing. Uh, it was awesome. Okay, yeah, I might check of, that out then. They had okay. a lot of loose ends to tie up. <laughs> okay, then, I wonder when that's airing in the UK. 
Yeah, I wondered yeah. too. Because uh, Cartoon Network UK are probably the worst <laughs> for 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 like showing their stuff. That well, Cartoon in, Network makes in the US. It's been the same too. Like the last couple seasons of Adventure Time, they would just dump like seven episodes on like a random Sunday. And right. on like 3 p.m. on a Sunday and not promote it at all. And that was it. It's, I don't know. It's, yeah, it seems, it seems like in, um, yeah, in like the American like channels like that, like the scheduling is, is a constant, a constant like experiment that yeah. no one can really seem to agree on. And I'm not saying it's oh. the creators, like the creators obviously have nothing to do with when things are, but the whole idea of bombs, I don't really get. Like the idea that okay, we'll we'll air like four episodes this week, and then you won't get anything for three weeks. And yeah, I don't like that either. Because it 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 can actually sometimes have the effect of cheapening the. I agree. Like products to sound very sleazy and markety about it, but no, I I agree. Like. The I feel like the miniseries worked doing it as a bomb, but not every episode needs to be like that. Well, in a yeah, because in a way, it's like, for instance, something like Over the Garden Wall. It's so limited; it makes it seem more precious, and people treat it with a lot of respect, you know. Um, and yeah, like doing that to yeah, some of their biggest shows doesn't make any sense to me, but. No, because it's expensive to produce these shows. So why yeah. would they spend all that money and not air it? <laughs> but yeah. Whatever. And then, you know, it's not like they they still make all their mo- loads of money from releasing stuff on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. No. So I wonder why maybe part of why it might be not aired in the UK yet is this probably some censorship that's going to have to happen. Oh, they they have they have been bad for that as well. Cartoon Network UK is is very very bad for that stuff because there's not um it's it's just simply speaking it's not the same channel. Mm. It doesn't have the same kind of nice schedule. It's just very sort of you know they'll air things in like hour long blocks and it doesn't really it's very hard to find episodes as well. Yeah. yeah. There's a there's a moment that happens that I'm That's sure I've seen. if it's gonna stay in the UK version. Yeah, unfortunately they've been bad about that, and um, I think I don't. I know like there are differences like in the UK. Uh, like we couldn't have Adult Swim on the same channel as Cartoon oh, Network yeah. in the UK because. It's class because it's classified as a children's network. They mm. then couldn't have a an adult aimed network yeah. on the same some... frequency for some reason. Like, I mean, they 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 do the same thing with the BBC. They like use they put on a children's program during in the day, and then they have the the um, just normal network like after seven, but. They they use different frequencies, even mm. if they're using the same. Okay, so like it, it could yeah. just accidentally yeah keep watching the channel and then end up on Adult Swim or something. 
yeah that's so they and i don't know there's probably like tougher law rules and everything but i don't think they should be cutting out stuff like that <laughs> that is really not <laughs> yeah i think i think the 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 Unfortunately, I think the the problem with the Cartoon Network channel in the UK as well is because they don't allow that stuff, the image of the channel has barely changed. Mm. And um, it's still like a kid's channel. I mean, like the only way you can get it is through Sky, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's in the kids section. And yeah. there's no way that you're going to stumble across that as a curious adult, unless you're very comfortable with going on a kid's channel. Whereas I think in like, because of when things air and premiere in the U S it's, um, probably got slightly older audience. Yeah. We talked before, like ages ago, how to us in the UK, it's crazy. Like something like gravity falls. Oh yeah. Premiere at 9 PM. Yeah. We're like, what? You're putting on children's programs at 9 p.m. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that sort of image is um, really, really, really behind with uh, with Castle Network UK, and it sucks. And, um, yeah, I don't know. That's when our TV gets sweary and stuff. <laughs> 9 p.m. <laughs> that's well, when the Hollywood film stars yeah, that's come when... on catch and start cussing away. Yeah, Norton or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can't cuss those swears. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do. I really want to see the. Uh, I just want to yeah. catch up on Adventure Time. To be honest, I haven't it's seen it in ages. So good. It's an accessibility issue. <laughs> yeah. Unfortunately, I, this I, is kind of what I'm like, and it's kind of, I think, how lots of people are, where you, I'll wait for something to stop airing. <laughs> Mm. And then go, and back. then I'll catch up. Yeah, because that's how we've been conditioned now to watch things. No, I get yeah, you. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you're like, something's been cancelled. You're like, oh, thank God, I can go back and watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, yeah. I, I definitely recommend it. These later seasons have been very good, and mm-hmm. the finale was very satisfying. So, if you can find it, <laughs> um, yeah, it used to be on UK Netflix ages ago, and uh, there was only a few series, and then they took it off, and it's like, oh. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> Have they been mm-hmm. releasing the DVDs there? No, nope. I don't think so. Oh no, they've been doing the se- they've been doing season Blu-rays in the US. Mm. That stinks. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz then Maybe they could like give you guys the uncut version. Yeah. The DVD, that would be awesome. And then Dan, you said you uh, were watching a, dif- a different show on Cartoon Network. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to continue having a little moan. Like that, there's no Cartoon Network app here, yeah. so it makes it very hard to legally watch um, Cartoon Network shows. But um, recently, they have been airing uh, Apple and Onion, uh, which is a news show created by George Gendy, um, who I think used to work on. Um, Gumball and uh, George Gendy himself uh, voices uh, the main character along with Richard Iwadi who plays Onion Um, and it's just a funny cartoon 
<laughs> it's about it, it. It has a very good origin episode where you just get to see these two characters move to a new city. Um, and they both have like uh, British accents as well, which is quite refreshing and it's good. I don't know. I, I really like it. There, I think there was a pilot ages ago. Um, what kind of adventures do they go on? They like- it's, it's very, um, based, it's very much like based in the city. Uh, what adventures do they go on? They are just, they are just both very earnest and kind of dumb, which is a good comedy uh, setup, really. Um, every, every character is a food stuff. Okay, I was going to ask that. Are, like, are there people or they're just all... No, they're all food. Do they and eat people? <laughs> they don't eat people. It's not like that. It's not like that Rick and Morty world. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are just cool things like Mr. Coffee Cup. Or Mrs. Hot, or, or Mrs. Hot Dog, and That's nice. it's it, it's really fun. That that is just like a, a a joke for me in itself. The style of humor is, I guess, I'm tempted to say it's quite British because there's a lot of British cast and stuff. But um, it's kind of. Um, it's got quite a chill vibe as well. It's not a mild, it's not like, um, uh, like a very loud. It's not loud and brash and like cuts, 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 cuts. It's just sort of, it kind of reminds me a little bit of something like the Mighty Boosh maybe, where it just sort of lilts along and it's, it's got a, it's got a lot of rhythm to it. There are lots of jokes that come from the soundtrack and the music. Um, it sounds really it kind of, It is. And actually, I think, you know, it's interesting talking about Adventure Time. It's one of those shows that I don't think would exist had Adventure Time not come about mm-hmm. because it's got this very sort of, like, uh, as close to improvisation as animation is possible to get, I imagine. Right. Kind of feeling where it's very loose, but... Um, not in a bad way. No, I, I, I like it a lot. It's funny. It's just funny. And, um, uh, for instance, like there's an episode where they're playing, um, a video game, which is basically Frogger and they can't, compl- and they can't complete it. And Apple gets bored. So he opens a window and the cat jumps in and then suddenly he's distracted by the cat and they lose the cat around town and then the cat wanders eventually mm. onto the freeway and they have to shout at the cat so it jumps <laughs> and stops <laughs> and then turns and then jumps. Like Frogger. Like Frogger. That yeah. sounds really funny. Yeah, no, it's just very funny and um it's got like a very simple style, but the animation is in itself funny, like the there are lots of um very specific like sort of funny dance moves that the characters do and yeah it's just it's just kind of delightful and very funny. And um Richard Iwadi is one of the voices and he kills it. Yeah, I have to check it out. Like definitely I mean it's I'm 
it's a lot easier for me to watch these things. So like, yeah, it is, and it's it's watch. a nightmare because you know I'm I'm not a kid, and I but I have to watch it on a kid's channel, and yeah. there is no like on demand service to do it. I have to sort of like record it on like a on like a series link, mm. and then check what the DVR box recorded, and most of the time it's a repeat. So I'm like, okay, well I'll just delete that. Yeah. oh there's a new one and it's it's not a practical way to watch anything but i like it so much i i do that looks like there's already 10 episodes here oh, okay wow. okay you're really pumping I'm... it out okay then have you wrapped up with you with the yeah yeah pretty yeah. much i think is there any yeah. more you wanted to say nope. okay then I, I think we're gonna have to wrap up before the uh the internet breaks uh because because um, <laughs> Chris uploaded a picture of his bum. Ralph, Ralph, <laughs> Ralph breaks the internet. Yeah. Ralph breaks. All right. Okay. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's wrap this up. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for joining us. Uh, thanks to Dan Nida for stopping by. Uh, we'll be back very soon with some more episodes. Uh, if you want to keep up with everything we're doing, follow us on animationforadults.com. You can follow us on Twitter, AFA blog, on Facebook, on Pinterest on tumblr on youtube and on instagram uh you can follow me personally at crystal on twitter where can we find you dan you can find me on twitter at hamu and nina you can find me on twitter at ninian ichi awesome we'll be back very soon with some more animation chatter speak to you then goodbye everybody bye goodbye Sounds fun, anyway. Chris, they're coming for you, mate. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that's uh, that's me. <laughs> oh, I thought so. <laughs> NYC. <laughs> uh, I, think, I think when it was, that happened with Vaughn at some point, and they said, oh, they're coming to arrest us for being too good at podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I also live next to a hospital, so oh. that's part of it. Hmm. All right, I think it's gone. <laughs> okay. Um, pardon me, I just burped on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hide it. There was you I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't reach the cough button in time. Um, I'm sorry. Well, you know, I'm a human, so we do that sometimes. <laughs>